Hey, what's up? This is Seth Mosley. And this is X O'Connor. And you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Yeah, we had a great guest in the studio with us today. Actually, our first podcast in the new studio, Chad from Unspoken. Fantastic guy. Yeah, and man, drop just nugget after nugget of wisdom. I was just taking notes the whole time. I hope our listeners are too. But he talked a lot about how to find your unique gift and that really everything starts with that. Success in the music business starts with finding and knowing and diving into your gift. The thing I found, I think the most interesting is he gave such a realistic timeline of what it's actually like to be an artist from like everyone that we've worked with. A lot of people move to Nashville with just this thought that we're just going to get here and we're going to just be famous in the next six months. But I mean, he talks about the years and the thousands of shows played before any door even starts to open. Literally 1,000 shows, eight years, 150 shows a year before, not this, not the record deal, yeah. the development the deal. The development deal. I blew my, and still then three years between the development deal and the actual record deal. It's mind-blowing. So you're telling me he spent 11 years before having the record deal. 11 years before it. I hope people who are listening out there are not getting depressed. No, <laughs> but it's uplifting, getting... <laughs> we promise. It's pro- but you got just to hear what they went through and the dedication and, and just the actions they have to take to make it work. I mean, it's utterly inspiring. Yeah, because a lot of people think that, you know, bands are overnight successes. And, and it, from the public standpoint, it probably looks like that because really we talk about the power of one song and how it can put an artist on the map. Unspoken had that sort of happen for them with a song called Who You Are that got added as the best of iTunes. It was a massive single. I think was maybe the top, if not one of the top, if not the top played songs on Christian radio that year. Yeah. So from the outside, it probably looked like, oh, these guys came out of nowhere. Yeah. But I love this interview because it, it pulls back the curtain and shows, you know what? These guys were at it writing songs 11 years ago under a mango tree in the Dominican Republic. Absolutely. And they were doing all these shows in just one region of the country too. That wasn't even like a national thing. They were literally just saturating their market as much as they could, just working so hard to try and make it happen. And the thing that we talk about a lot to to keep harping on it is that it all really does start with a song. It starts and ends with a song. Every artist and every songwriter is only as good as their next song. So, Really, our one focus in the music as artists should be how to attract better songs. Chad kind of shares his thought on how they've been able to attract better songs and better songwriters. So I think there's some gold in there as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he also goes on to talk about not even just in writing, but just in everyday life, having great intentions, but not just having the intentions, following through with the intentions, whether it is to write for a specific thing or to broaden your horizons musically or to spend time with your family or to get things done. It's all about not just meaning to do something, but doing something, putting things into action. We're in at the new studio. People have been following us on Instagram. Got the Instagram stories rocking. I think we had a pretty good one yesterday of Jericho changing a light bulb in the new studio on like the 15 foot ceilings. Yeah. And it takes some skill to do that. So I was actually very pleased that he did it on the first try. All right. So let's jump into the studio. Imaginary math. Sounds like a good episode title with Chad from Unspoken in the house. What's going on? What's going on? This is the first official podcast in this room, by the way. This is the first official podcast in the new Full Circle Music Studio. In the new studio, yeah. Well, I feel honored because I did the first official right in this room and now I'm doing the first official 
podcast. So, hey. Chad, a man of firsts. A man of many firsts. <laughs> yeah. So talk about that. When was your first unspoken show? My first unspoken show was probably in the Dominican Republic, which is where I met Mike. Him and I got together down there. I got sober in the Dominican Republic and God changed my life. And music really wasn't even on my radar as a profession, but God had different plans, which was pretty neat. But I met Mike and we uh, hooked up together. We wrote some songs under a mango tree. And then we had an opportunity to get on some TV show. So obviously I had no idea. In the, in the Dominican? Yeah, in the Dominican. And I had no clue what they were saying. Mike was interpreting for me. And at the time, his accent was pretty thick and wonderful. Every time he'd say <laughs> third, he would say turd. Um, and his birthday happened to be January 3rd. So when he moved back to the States, I'd always introduce him and then ask him when his birthday is. <laughs> <laughs> Just so that my friends and everyone could hear him say January turd. That's nice of you. So anyway, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to be on TV and uh, just weeks after him and I met and we started traveling around playing subways and New York City subway stations and nursing homes and coffee shops and open mic nights. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, say, how do I get started in this industry? What can I do? And I say, use your gift. You know, everyone wants the easy way out, but to use your gift wherever you are, God seems to open doors for that. How does somebody find out what their gift is? You know, that's a good question. I think, you know, the people around us, our mentors, our friends, our family can kind of point us in the right direction. Sometimes our gift is our passion too. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we have a passion for something, but we're not gifted in it. So it is tricky to figure out what your gift is, and then how do I use it? So from that mango tree to today, how long has that been? 14 years. Like how long would you say it took you to figure out what your gift was from that time? Or did you just kind of know right away? I think for us, you know, being that my life has changed around in such a drastic way, and Mike's as well, I think the prayer or the ask was, if we could be of any use to God, you know, for what he'd done for us, you know, we would love to. Yeah. And I feel like as God opened doors for us, like through the TV, you know, in the Dominican Republic, I mean, it, it's small. There probably was 25 grandmas watching it or something. You know, the doors just kept opening and we'd walk through them. And again, there's a different approach too. You know, some of us go down and beat down doors, which can work too. But for us, I don't think we really knew how to serve God or you know, what we were going to do. We just said, hey, if we have a gift, Mike can play guitar, I can sing. If we can use that, we will. And we just started doing it. You mentioned maybe having someone help you find like what your gift is. Did you have anyone that helped you guys or you specifically? I mean, I had a lot of people helping me over the years. Even before I got saved, I had a couple of 50-year-old guys that I used to write music with. And, you know, it was just kind of a, a fun thing and a relational thing. And again, I never thought it'd turn into something, but, you know, started probably writing songs at 18 or 19. And, you know, I think as we started writing songs and the songs got better and, you know, we recorded them down on, you know, a multi-track little thing, listened back through, it kind of started to teach us the process of writing songs. And, and again, those, those mentors and those people come alongside and say, man, you really, you know, speak in truth into my life. You really do have a gift. You have an anointing. You've got, again, when you don't really know you have a gift or a calling, 
when someone says that, you don't, I mean, it's not like I thought anything of it. Like, oh, great. I've got a gift. I'm going to use it. I'm going to be famous and rich. And that's not God's economy. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question because... I think you did a pretty good job of it, man. I think you brought us around. (laughs) Yeah. So fast forward to today, you're working on your third full-length record right now, right? Mm -hmm. Writing towards that. Right. What's been your experience since you kind of signed your first record deal? You're with Centricity Music, signed a publishing deal. How much has that changed or helped or affected your career? I think it's helped us a ton because... It's given people uh, who have an expertise, you know, it's like when we can have a, we have a gift, we can use it, but we don't know how good it is or not. You know, I mean, our mamas can say it's good, you know, our brothers and sisters and people around us, but we really don't know. So I feel like, you know, it's been a huge asset because we've got people in our label and publishing company who are experts in this industry And so they've been able to speak into that, which has really caused us to grow and become better. And I think that's probably the biggest thing with songs. You know, we live in a, in an industry now where it's really song driven. And so they pushed us to write better songs and to not settle on the songs that we did have to work hard at, you know, every time I go into an A&R meeting at our label, trying to figure out what songs are doing for the record, I hate my A&R guy. You know, because he's not telling me what I want to hear, but it's causing me to dig, causing us to dig in and try to be better. It's like that saying of, it's more important to have one person that tells you the truth than a thousand that tell you what what you you want to hear. hear. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And if you're married, you know, usually that's your wife. She'll tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been great. And it's also opened doors for us. Like when we moved to town, we had a development deal with Provident which they told us because we were all living in the Northeast touring. We've been done that. I've been doing that for eight years and we had this opportunity to work with Provident and we decided, Oh, we're going to move to Nashville. Now they told us don't move for us. You know, they knew it probably wasn't going to go anywhere. They do these development deals. Uh, so you think often. they were telling you don't move because just in case it didn't work, they exactly. didn't want to be the yeah. ones yeah. telling you. Yeah. And, but for us, we felt Led, And I think this is one of the wonderful benefits of walking with God is that, you know, it's not all on your own shoulders. Like we have the spirit of God inside of us leading us to do different things. And whether it worked out or not, we felt led to come down. And what Provident did, and every time I see someone from Provident Publishing or from the artist relation label side, I always thank them because we were nobody. And because we had that covering we were able to start writing with people who wrote songs for a living. And and when would this have been? Because a lot of people maybe don't realize the amount of time that it takes to actually develop and find your lane, but this was a long time ago, right? Yeah, th- we decided to move in October and then we moved in at January 1st of 09. And so we got down here and I think we, I mean, we were so poor on food stamps and, you know, everything because we had left our jobs and we had done, you know, all of that, moved to a new place. And we had all of our contacts and places that we played up in the Northeast. And we were doing 150 shows a year up there. Moved down here. We know nobody, you know, where it's So you were already fish. doing 150 shows a year on your own before the yeah. Provident Development deal. Yeah. But just up in that region. Just up in the Northeast, yeah. basically, you know. I mean, of course, there's a lot of people up there in New York City and all that, but. Yeah. Well, that's huge. I hope our listeners don't just skim over that fact, that the fact that, 
they weren't just handed a record deal. They were handed a development deal. A lot of people think, oh, I'm ready for a record deal or a publishing deal. How many shows are you doing? They're already doing 150. And even then... For eight years. For eight for years. For eight years. So even before you had signed your first... Re- not even record deal, development deal, you had done a thousand shows. Yeah. And I think there goes back to the point of using your gift. You know, yep. I always tell people like, you know, the answer isn't a record deal. The answer is to follow the leading of God's spirit and to use your gift to serve people and to serve God. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, over all those years, we learned how to rough it on the road and learn how to interact with people and use our gift and all of that. And so when we got down here, the funny thing is we did a, for our current label now, the Provident thing didn't work out. And it was probably three years before from when we moved here to when we signed our first deal. With Provident or with... We started with Provident on the development side. And then it was three years to when we actually signed with Centricity and had gone, we went through the whole process of, you know, trying to, we had a contract from Word and, you know, all these different things. And it, all that took so long, the lawyers and the, you know, the negotiating terms and all of that. But in the meantime, we were writing more music, you know, just, I mean, I think we had had a hundred and something songs written for the first new record, you know, for that first record we did. And then when I moved down here, they told me that like Switchfoot had done, we were meant to live that record had written 80 songs for that record. And so we realized, wow, like only 10% of our songs are going to be even good enough to get on the record. And then from there, only, you know, three of the 10, 30% are going to be songs that may connect with a greater audience. So it was like, wow, I think the more you write and the better you get at it, the less songs that you are writing. Like we didn't write 150 songs for this past record. We wrote probably 60. Yeah. But for us, we have fun writing. So I want to write as much as we can because I feel like it's fun. It helps us, you know. Well, you're different from other artists that I work with in the sense that you're always messaging me like, hey, when can we write? When can we write? Even if you're not on a record cycle, you're like, I want to do this sync thing. I want to write for some advertising or film and TV stuff. And I think that's, that's what a lot of people and a lot of artists need to adopt is that mentality of just write all the time, no matter where you're at in your career. And we are like the band and us will write, you know, constantly on the road ideas so that when we come to writing dates, you know, let's say we just put out a record. And the thing is, you know, since you guys are producers and all that, like it's not that easy to get a cut, you know, to get someone to cut your song or to get it on a record or whatever. So you have to pick and choose You know, a lot of people don't want to write with us until we have a record coming out because it could potentially be a waste of time. And we totally understand that. But for us, in the meantime, we're throwing down ideas. And and I mean, that's what we're doing on the road, whether it's an hour or two hours or five hours a day. Just, hey, here's some ideas. Let's write down, you know, some stuff for verse chorus or some of it turns the crap and some of it's good. But it helps us get prepared for when we're writing. But we usually take a little hiatus like for six months after the record process is over because we're just spent. We've written a ton and we've recorded and now we're just spent. We just need to live some life again and get some more ideas. But yeah, it was three years from when we moved to Nashville to when we, but it had been eight years before that. 11 years. 11 years before your first deal. Yeah. 
I mean, we've probably been only making a living for three years, like an actual living. So, I mean, all four of us really determined that we were going to serve God, whatever that looked like. And really that meant poverty for a decade for us. And I mean, obviously not poverty in Africa's standpoints, but poverty and the U.S. standpoints for sure. So we gave up a lot to follow God's calling. How many songs do you think you wrote in that 11 years leading up to? Well, here's the thing. Before we moved to Nashville, it was we would write eight songs and cut six of them. Yeah. And which is why our songs sucked. You know, they weren't good. So it wasn't until we got to Nashville that we realized, okay, we really need to focus on writing songs. And when people come up and ask me all the time, how do I break into the industry? How do I do X, Y, and Z? And of course I say, you know, use your gift, whether it's at the city mission or local church or coffee shop, use the gift to get out there and play, but also write as much as you can with as many people as you can. So we weren't writing a lot of songs. I mean, our bass player is a singer songwriter himself as well. He was writing more songs, but you know, we were just like, oh crap, we need songs for a new EP. And so we'd write a few songs and and we didn't even collaborate with each other really. At the time, it was like I wrote, me and Mike wrote a couple songs and, you know, John hadn't started writing with us yet and he's probably the best writer in the group. So... And he didn't even write at all before. He didn't write with us. You know, he Why is that? Well, he, yeah, you'd said that he was a singer-songwriter, right? He was doing his, a lot of his own stuff? He was writing, right. He was kind of trying to be creative in his own. You know, each one of us has kind of a creative itch that we want to scratch, you know, which is why I want to be doing film and TV and why I want to diversify so that I can stay creative and learn another angle to how to write, which hopefully will make the songs that I'm writing for the CCM market, what I really feel called to, better. But yeah, he was scratching that itch for himself. And again, we didn't really know about co-writing and sharing and, you know, all these ideas. You know, we kind of had like, these are my ideas. And I feel like when we learned that when we share our our ideas, we can make something pretty great. So has that changed now? Are you guys writing together a lot more? I usually don't even write without one of the guys in the group. It just happens that they're both on vacation this week. So I'm in here (laughs) by myself. But yeah, I mean, I like to bring that team feel. And then it causes us to be more passionate. Whereas if I just bring a song to the group, they may be pumped about it because it's a great song. But if they're involved in somehow, way, shape or form, then there's going to be a lot more excitement, a lot more momentum and uh, passion pushing forward. And you had mentioned the team feel so... You talked about how getting signed to this record deal, having that team of like everyone in a specialized position had really elevated you guys and having like when you're writing, having that team around you helped really elevate like where the song was going. Did having all the band members in place during even your journey down here, did it make that transition and that willingness to like just do the poverty thing and just like build from the ground up? Did it make it easier knowing you had that army of guys like connected to you? like willing to do it with you? Did that make that transition easier? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime that you're thinking about God's economy, you know, and it's like, you know, we are a traveling church, really. You know, there's five of us that are out on the road all the time. And I think, you know, when you're sharing lows together, it's easier to weather. 
And then when you're sharing those highs, I mean, you're, you're so grateful because you know where you've come from. But I mean, I think that's one of the most important things. I mean, for me, you know, my wife often will come and say, geez, you know, you could make a lot more money if you were a solo artist. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I may be able to, but, you know, cause I mean, to provide salaries for five guys, you're talking a lot of money opposed to providing a salary for myself and paying 250 bucks to all of the players. It's a totally different financial thing, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Not only because I feel called to do it with these guys. I mean, the way it all started in the Dominican by chance, quote unquote, and things like that. Like we feel like we've got a mission and it's certainly been a huge benefit because when I'm low, one of the other guys is high and he's able to pick me up. And when I'm too high on my horse, you know, the other guys can bring me down. Not the Dominican kind of high. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Been there, done that. Uh, Well, we'll see. (laughs) But, you know, I think that's a huge benefit. And again, you know, it's like you've built a big team here and it's wonderful to have each one of the giftings. Like we all don't have the same giftings. We all don't have the same skill set. So it's, I think it's wonderful to be able to pull. And that's why I love to co-write. I love to co-write because I, I want your ideas. I want his ideas to help make my ideas into something greater. Talk about that because a lot of our audience is maybe not chasing the artist thing. There are a lot of artists that listen to the show, but a lot of them are maybe just like people that write songs. They're like, these are not for me, these are for somebody else. And I know for a fact that you at this point in your career are pretty choosy on who you write with. So how does a songwriter get in a room to write with Chad from Unspoken? Like, who do you write with and why do you not write with certain people? Well, I think that three years that we came down and Provident opened those doors, we had written with everybody under the sun. I mean, anyone we could, we would write with. And again, some of those writers, producers would write with us because we were potential Provident artists. So there was a reason for us. That's the only reason we got in the room. So they'd write with you as a new band because you were potentially going to be attached to a label. Yes. And there was a potential place for their songs to get put to then hopefully make the money. I mean, we write songs, not as just a hobby, And plenty of people do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But for us, we're wanting to write songs to make a living to provide for our families. So, you know, I mean, for me now, you know, we've written with all these people and there are a few people that I feel like are get what we do and help us do it better. And so I'm down for writing with some some new people, but I usually go back to those people that I know believe in what we're doing and, and can make what we're doing better. Because I've got a family. I don't want to waste my time either. I don't, you know. So I don't know how they would get in the room. It would be, I mean, not that I'm saying, oh. No, it's it's a great, it's a great question. I'm speaking yeah. to you, but I'm also speaking to any other artist who has achieved some certain level of success. And every songwriter, the end goal of a songwriter as a career is to be writing with artists. Right. That's the only way that we as songwriters make careers. So you do have something that a lot of songwriters want. Right. It's just how do they get in the room with you or do they just not? Right. I don't have an answer to that question. I mean, I think, you know, I'm always telling people a lot of times who want to write to say, all right, well, send me some ideas. You know, send me some ideas way before we get in the room. That way I can say, okay, I can listen to the ideas, which I will. 
and I'll go through them. And, and if there's something I really like there, you know, just by default, they'll end up getting in the room because of it. But I mean, for us in the beginning and for writers, you know, we took everything. We took mm-hmm. every opportunity we could, A, for the experience, B, for the relationship. And so, I mean, I think that's something that everybody, you know, all the writers need to do is write with whoever, whenever, as much as they possibly can as they're coming up. You know, to get in the room with people is can be a, a hard trick. And I think, you know, one of the things is trying to go to their publisher, you know, email their publisher. I'd love to write with such and such. And then, you know, you may or may not get the date, but you might be able to get my email or get a song idea that you can send in to them, which then can forward it on to the artist. So, I mean, I feel like that's some ways that artists can kind of backdoor get in. I mean, writers can backdoor get into writing with artists is by shooting those ideas out, you know, not just waiting for the day that they can get in the room. Do you approach walking into rights differently now that you've been doing it for so long, especially three records in now on a label? Like, are you still writing with pretty much anyone? Or do you have like, if someone comes up to you wanting to write with you for the first time, like, do you always still listen for submissions? Or are you kind of a little more selective now? Well, the only reason I would be selective would have nothing to do with if I feel like I'm at a certain level, it had nothing to do with that. It's all about time and where I need to put my time for my family. Mm -hmm. Really. I need to do things. If I'm going to walk away from the family to go do something because I travel too. So when I'm home, my time is really precious and sacred. So, I mean, again, I'm willing to hear anything because it takes me, you know, three minutes on the road to listen to a song idea. And if that song idea has something in there, it might even just be a phrase. That's the beautiful thing. might be a lyric, one line lyric that I say, man, I love that. And then maybe I sit there and write it with our bass player and then, you know, shoot back to them and say, hey, we use this line and, you know, we'll cut you in. And I mean, there's a way. But I mean, I do have people I like to work with now that I feel like always brings a return. But even this record, being that we're a little, we're a year out from finishing it, I'll probably do some more. Like expand the well Expand a little, bit. A little yeah. bit, yep, and find. And I just want to write with people I like yeah. or I like their music. Like I ran into uh, B. Reith. You guys know him? He was on Toby's label. He's an incredible artist. He's a rapper. He's a singer. He's a lyricist. He can produce. I ran into him at Marshall's the other day. And I had to go up to him and say, I love your music. I think it's great. And so, you know, I've got a writing date with him coming up. Of course, that's artist to artist, but I mean, I won't even necessarily think it's worth my time to write with other artists that I know for their records because I don't, the chance of getting the cut is slim, Yeah, you know, with all the rights that we have. So it's just prioritizing and trying to figure out what the best is. You know, I'll have artists come in right on mine Mm -hmm. because I know that I have a a big choice in whether or not we cut a song or not. So But I want to write with people that I like their stuff. And so, like Chris August, I like his music, so we wrote together. You know, Chris Cleveland from Stars Go Dim, we we wrote together. We just wrote with Darren from We Are Messenger. So, I mean, I'm doing a little bit more of that, but there's still a few guys I really love to write with. That's good. So, just to switch gears a little bit, do you have a few tips for artists that are touring with how to do, you know, time management, prioritization, and making it work with your family? You know, I think intentionality is something that, you know, every one of us needs to have. And there's seasons in my life where I have it, that I'm intentional about 
my schedule and whether it's my walk with God, you've got to be intentional about spending time with God. And if you want to be the men and the women that, you know, he's created us to be, we got to know him. We got to hang out with him. Just had this conversation with my kids last night. So, I mean, I think being intentional is a huge part of it because when you get out on the road and you're doing stuff, you know, your whole day can go by. You could do absolutely nothing. You didn't read your Bible. You didn't hang out. You didn't write. You did nothing. And some of those days are fine. But on a whole, like, you know, when we're out on the road, you know, we try to spend some time in the word, try to do it together as a band. And then, you know, we're texting saying, hey, John, Mike, you know, you guys want to write from 10 to 2 or uh, 12 to 2 and just throw down some ideas. And then being home, you know, trying to get all your work done and anything like whether you have radio interviews or all sorts of different stuff, you know, getting that stuff done on the road so that when you can come home. And then again, you have to be intentional about putting your phone away and to be present with your family, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But it's not just going to happen. You actually have to make a plan and and adhere to it and hit, adhere to it. Or it's just going to be the same thing. I mean, Einstein makes this great quote. And since I'm in recovery, they, they use it a lot in recovery circles. But he defines insanity as doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It doesn't matter how inspired or pumped up we are about making a change. The idea of that is inspiring. It's, you know, but if we don't do anything different, we'll never get a different result. So whether that's in your writing or in your touring or in your family life or in your own spiritual life, I found that, you know, I can get all pumped up and, and ready for a change. But if I don't set the plans and the be intentional about what I'm going to do different, I'll always be doing the same things and I'll get the same results I always have. I love that quote because it means something to me. It's with a diet, you know, it's like I can want to get fit, but until I actually am intentional about doing something, I'm, I'm never going to have a different result. So. That's good. That's good. You got anything else to add, my friend? Man, it's it's been X a wealth is, of knowledge right here. X is uh, the that. birthday man in the house today. Well, tomorrow's my birthday, but wow. we're loosely celebrating today. What did I get you? This microphone right here. I'm holding it. <laughs> I'll give you a big fat hug. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> the interview itself. Exactly. Your, your the, presence was the presence. I appreciate cool you guys having, having me out. Because you guys have got the knowledge. And, and and again, you know, when we come into a, your new studio and stuff and see all the ways that you guys are diversifying, it's obviously taken a lot of intentionality, planning, discipline, and creativity. I think that's a beautiful thing about creativity is when you find more avenues to do it. And that's why we're doing the sync stuff. And because I think it all adds to the well that's inside of us. Well, here's the difference between, and this has been my observation of you, of your band, and really what I've seen over the last few years. You don't just stop at intentionality because our friend Matt Hammett says that good intentions are actually kind of worthless in and of themselves. It's actually that you have to follow it up with action. and everything you just told us is is that you're not waiting around for your publisher or for your manager or for your label to make phone calls for you and set up writing sessions, book shows, meetings, all that stuff. You're just literally doing it. Right. I mean, I can't even think of many writing sessions that my publisher has ever set up. Yeah. And that's not a diss to your publisher. Not at all. It's just that we have the same publisher right. and we both love him. Right. He's awesome. But 
I mean, the cool thing about having a publisher is that, you know, I can say, hey, I want to write with Johnny Lang. Can you try to make that happen? And or Johnny Swim or yeah. any other Johnnies out there, you know, but all uh, Johns, all good Johns. Yeah. <laughs> but and so they can maybe open some of those doors that I don't have a contact to Johnny they have Lang. The relationship. Right. Yeah. But the relationships I do have, I try to be. Do you want to write with Johnny Lang? I do. Chad Dude. Segura, if you're listening to this podcast, oh, I, I worked on part of one of his your records, mission. and it was awesome. awesome. Yeah, he is so amazing. But um, yeah, you're right. You know, you have to have a plan and then go for it. And so, you know, we just relationships and and actually caring about the people. I just try to stay up with the people that I meet, whether it's other artists, even if it's just a word of encouragement. I heard your song; it meant something to me you know, happy for you, blah, 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 whatever it is, just being intentional to reach out to people and say what's up. And even before you need anything, you know, just whenever you, I have a, a thing that if I'm thinking of somebody, I will text them and say <laughs> something to them, you know, whatever it is. And so that's just something that I've learned to do that, you know, I'm, and that's uh, seemed to help me over the years, you know, build relationships with people and be able to get in the door with them or, or whatever. Not that I'm reaching out because of that, but if I'm thinking about him, boom, I'm hitting him up saying, what's up? It's good. Well, uh, we've got Chad from the band Unspoken here with yep. us on the Full Circle Music Show. Thanks for stopping by. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. It's been a pleasure, man. Absolutely. Hey, what's up? This is Seth Mosley, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This episode has been produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamone and Jericho Scroggins. Follow us on Instagram at Full Circle Music Co. And yes, please leave us reviews in iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. Every review helps. We just finished our contest. It went absolutely great. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the videos. Yes, thank you so much. We hit 100 reviews and not only hit that, we blew right through it. And as a result of that, I think we hit in the top 50 on iTunes podcast. So awesome. that was huge. Right above Avicii and NPR and some of these other shows. That was really cool to see our, our name up there. So yeah, it's great. Thank you. That's really due to you guys listening and sharing and reviewing. I know we keep asking for it. We're going to keep asking for it because it really does help and it helps get the word out because I think we're doing something pretty cool. I know for myself... I learned so much from every one of these interviews. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's absolutely great. I mean, just to hear what people are willing to pour out to people they don't even know and just to spread the word and spread the knowledge. It's great. And we will look forward to seeing you next week on the Full Circle Music Show.